if I'm beginning to feel really, really nervous, I automatically look in the script and see how my character's nervous. And I'm like, okay, if I'm feeling this way, maybe my character is really nervous to talk to somebody. I can use that nervousness. I don't need to fight it and say, go away. I say, okay, fine, you're a gift. I'm going to use you. If you're going to be here, I'm going to use you. You're listening to Inside Acting, a podcast dedicated to demystifying the inner and outer game of success in the entertainment industry. I'm your co-host, Trevor Algott. And I'm AJ Meyer. And coming up in episode 197, we bring back part two of one of our favorite and most popular interviews ever with working actress and good friend of the podcast, Emily Rose. In episode 197, Emily shares why she feels it's ideal to have both an agent and a manager, and what to look for when you're choosing those, what her personal audition process and mindset is from the moment she gets the script all the way to what she plans to do afterwards, and what the most important thing to show the casting director is. And guess what? It has nothing to do with the lines on the page. That and a whole lot more coming up in episode 197, just three episodes away from episode 200. So stick around. Support for this episode of Inside Acting comes from Rehearsal 2, the app for actors. You want to learn your lines, be off book for auditions, explore your character and make stronger choices? There's an app for that, Rehearsal 2. You can download it right now at rehearsaltheapp.com slash download. That's rehearsaltheapp.com slash download. Hello, Trevor. I've come down back from the mountain. Camping up in them them hills. I picked me up one of them uh, one of them Appalachian accents. <laughs> that is not what they sound like in the Apple. Hey, I'm gonna just uh, we're just gonna move on. Pretend that didn't happen. <laughs> edit. <laughs> You're not gonna edit this. I know it. I know it. I can tell by the laugh. Why would I edit? Trevor this? has a Trevor has a specific laugh that equals I am not gonna edit this. Why would I edit that? Why? This is something you do on the regular, man. You go camping and like you full of like bring like tins and you build fires and you heat up porridge and sleep in tents under the moon and things like that. Like, um, yeah. Well, I mean, we can talk, we'll talk more about it uh, my pick of the week later. But I just, you know, it's really important to me to get out in nature. I actually have a recurring event now in my calendar that says that's called AJ's Nature Walk. Oh, and it happens at least once a month. And if I can't make it happen on that particular day, I'll just move it around that particular week or whatever. Um, and if I can't make it out of the city, I will go to the park or so. I just need to like commune with nature. I think it's really important that we do that. And this is uh, my favorite way to do that. So I went this wow. week and it was glorious. So, so question then, what's the minimum qualification for a nature walk? Because I'm thinking like an hour walk on the beach. Does that count? Totally. Yeah. I, I, the one that's in my calendar is two hours. Okay. But yeah, I mean, as long as it's you and the, you know, the elements of some kind, 
take your shoes off, walk along the, you know, the beach, let the sand get between your toes and, and focus on the water and the birds and, and, you know, not the beachgoers, then, uh, yeah, absolutely. Awesome. Uh, and so this, this was above and beyond that, that two hours you guys spent a, a couple of days, I think, right? 48 hours all told, but it stretched ac- across three, three days. Okay. So, so give me the, the, cause I think this is actually really important for an actor. Uh, and obviously I, I know you do too. I mean, just, just getting out and kind of being with the elements, uh, is extremely restorative for the spirit, I think. And yeah, you do your, your lake trip, you know, every summer yeah. to, what is it, Vermont? Yeah, we haven't done that in a couple of years, but I don't think it's going to happen anymore. I'm bummed about that. It's a, that's a whole long family thing, but, um, I, well, you gotta replace it with something. I know. That's the thing. That's why I wanted to ask you. Like, give me, give me the, like the the two minute play by play of of what these past three days were like. Like, where did you guys go? Where did you sleep? What did you do during the day? What what did you do in your free time? What did you guys talk about? Like, I want I want to hear it all. <laughs> you're like you're like please. I'm so deprived. I want to live <laughs> vicariously through you. Uh, is it that obvious? That was pretty obvious. Uh, yeah. We uh, so it's about two hours outside of the city. Uh, in the Catskills, which is just like a mountain range, uh, a couple hours outside of the city, we brought you know the necessary stuff: tent, sleeping bags, bought firewood when we got up there. Um, we have a camping stove. Um, I've sort of built up equipment over time because um, I've been doing it since I was really young. And then uh, as I got more independent, I had to obviously get my own gear and not leech off of my parents. We only went on like one hike, but for the most part, we just chilled. I mean, this was a very relaxing one. It was like sitting around the fire, sitting around camp, not doing much, talking, roasting marshmallows, making chili. That's that's so great. So it's the summertime. I, I imagine a month from now, you'll be doing something similar again. I yeah, I, I would I would love to. We were we were just talking about maybe checking out the Poconos. I've heard, I've seen the pictures, but I definitely yeah. want to go. Epic. So Trev, you have you have homework, man. You gotta you gotta you gotta make something happen. Dude, like well, this. yeah, my my so. my brother's been on me to to schedule a camping trip in Yosemite or not Yosemite, uh, Joshua Tree for a few weeks, and we were gonna actually we were gonna do it today, and we got distracted. We were gonna uh, schedule it today. Make it happen. Uh, so before we move on, what you said you do this once a month, and then what do you notice about yourself or your work or how it affects you? Yeah, two things. One is just rest, just like recharging the batteries. I know that's a cliche, but it's true. I, I definitely think it's true. I always feel more rested afterwards. I mean, you, <clears throat> you, you got to consider, you know, packing up the car, carrying all this gear, setting it all up, breaking it all down, bringing it home, carrying it all back upstairs, you know, walk-ups in New York, yada, yada, yada. Even after doing all of the quote-unquote, you know, physical labor stuff, I feel so, I feel like, you know, uh, so invigorated, like very rested and ready to, you know, get back to life. That's number one. Number two, um, I guess the only way I can think to describe it is being present. I've taught, I, I think my pick of the week one time was the power of now, the Eckhart Tolle book. And yeah. I really believe that it's part, you know, that's a huge part of it. Being out there, especially being disconnected from, phones from television from electronics social media email you have no choice but to be present and there were times where like michael and jasmine were taking naps at one point and i i I literally sat in the campground and did nothing i stared at trees 
and that's part of the recharging the battery things uh, thing, but also being present, just noticing. It's sort of you know what I uh, liken it to is a is a different form of meditation. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's 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 and actually that came up for me while during that moment. It's just sitting in that chair, staring off into the trees, and I was like, this is. This is a. I, this makes more sense to me than the other forms of meditation that I've attempted. <laughs> That's really beautiful. Well, congrats. Welcome back. VO2GoGo.com, the award-winning voiceover training system and winner of Backstage's Reader's Choice Award for Best VO Training four years in a row. You ever heard of this, Trev? VO2GoGo, uh... I've heard it's only the absolute best voiceover training in Los Angeles, especially the guy who leads the uh, Hollywood Intensives. He's fantastic. <laughs> I don't know who that is. Visit VO2GoGo.com slash start for a free getting started in voiceover online class that'll help you add voiceover to your acting per- portfolio. Acting portfolio. Easy clearly, for you to say. I clearly I need these classes. <laughs> That's vo the number two gogo dot com slash start. See if you had taken the classes, you would have said pick up, and then you would have started again at the last break in the sentence. Oh, yeah, just a little little freebie for y'all there. <laughs> little morsel. Yeah, little yeah. morsel. So uh, I didn't have anything really going on this week, so I wanted to devote any time that I would talk about myself on the show to uh, a question that we actually answered in the last episode and that uh, I cut for time because our episode was clocking in at like an hour and 25 minutes and um, I wanted to just get it closer to an hour if possible. And it worked out great because I had a slow week and now we have uh, some time to devote to this. So Casey wrote in uh, not too long ago and he says he's a 23-year-old male actor currently living in L.A. But his question is about where should he move to build an acting career. And he knows the famous saying is, you know, New York is for theater and L.A. is for film and TV. But uh, as uh, he has sort of accurately perceived, times are a-changing uh, he's been talking to a lot of people in the, the industry and reading a lot of articles from a lot of well-known publications that are saying that a lot of the production is quickly leaving Los Angeles. He's heard about production moving to Atlanta, New Orleans, Vancouver, uh, not to mention uh, like 14 other cities like New Jersey and uh, many cities in Texas. This brings uh, him to his scenario. He says he's originally from the East Coast. He studied mostly in Philly. Yeah, what up? And a little bit in New York City. Uh, He worked on student films, extra work during that time. He loves New York City, and he really wanted to base his acting career there, but he knew that moving to L.A. would be the quote-unquote wiser move if he wanted to break into the film and TV world. So he did move to L.A. last year to get his professional career going. Uh, First year was student films and commercials and little things like that. Uh, But all this talk about production leaving has him kind of freaked out because he specifically moved to L.A. for the opportunity to work in film and television, and uh, now it's all leaving. Not all of it, but, you know, a lot of it. 
Uh, and he says, as for the city itself, you know, it has some good things about it, but uh, New York City, quote, I'm <coughs> quoting him here, New York City is where I'd like to live. He's also heard the production substantially increased in New York City, and he's, you know, he's, that's kind of sum and substance of it. If you ask me, that last bit just kind of seals the deal for me. He says, New York City's where I'd like to live. And I'm like, you know, we said this last week. Like, it's like, if that's where you want to live, then go live there. Like, it's awesome. Like, don't, don't like sacrifice your happiness for in a city that you're not a huge fan of just for your career. And I know last week I tossed it to you, AJ, because you live in New York and you've now got extensive experience on both in both cities. And, uh, you like New York, and so I kind of wanted to get your your unique take on this. I mean, it's it's sort of a multi pronged question, and a, and therefore multi pronged answer, right? I mean, you and I came to the sort of the same conclusion, which is if this is where you want to live, then live there. <laughs> whatever it is that you want, you know, declare it and do whatever it takes to make it happen. Period. Um, <clears throat> but in terms of like production leaving Los Angeles, yeah. Yeah, that's very true. There's a lot of production leaving Los Angeles when the tax incentives expired. When Gray Davis was the governor, I believe it was when that happened. I never, they, California never renewed it. Uh, a lot of productions started going elsewhere to, for the for the for the the financial benefit of it, and it's happening everywhere. And the thing is. And he even mentions this in his email. They're still casting out of the major markets for these productions that are happening in the minor markets. They're still casting out of New York. They're still casting out of L.A. And some people, and I said this last week too, some people do have agents in both places. They have agents in major markets, and they also have agents that submit them in minor markets. And then they just put themselves on tape because that's the world that we live in these days. Um, so – I don't believe that you're going to limit yourself from, um, you know, I, I don't believe that you're you're not going to be able to work in film and television simply because you live in New York. And frankly, you know, he says, I've been hearing that NYC is up and coming in the production. You may have heard that from us because <laughs> I, I, I've been saying or we've been saying for a long time the 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 sort of anecdote yeah. that I heard which is which is actually true I've had this uh, corroborated by several people in the in the industry that 2014 was the first year that New York surpassed Los Angeles in TV pilot production mm-hmm. and I've said you know that doesn't mean that those pilots got picked up and that there's more production happening here however y- you know it, it it does speak volumes for you know what what's going on in the industry and it also should not give you pause casey to move to new york to pursue a film and television career mm-hmm. um and to get back to answer your original question trev which is like you know what my thoughts on either market uh, look honestly it comes back to what we talk about all the time on the podcast which is about it's all about relationships I've had just as many film and television opportunities uh, as or auditions or meetings, just as many film and te- television meetings here in New York that I had in Los Angeles over the course of a particular time frame. You know, there are pros and cons to both places that go f- far beyond the industry itself, far beyond. And so it becomes the question of like, what do you want again? And then we're back to what he said, which is New York City is where I want to live. So, you know, that's what 
Trevor and I are always going to advocate, you know, declaring what it is that you want and then doing and getting committed to that and doing whatever it takes to make it happen. The, the last thing I, I would say is, and I, and I did sort of allude to this when we answered this question uh, last week, is I'm learning from living on this coast and doing the bi-coastal thing and going back and forth that as long as you, I, one, is open to the opportunity or the possibility you also aren't sort of tied down to any one particular place. You, it is possible to create a life for yourself such that you can live bicoastally, live uh, in minor markets if you want to, travel around. Wh- whatever it is that you want, you can make it happen. It is absolutely possible. I, I don't know, Trev, what, el- what, what else are you – seeing hearing thinking that that we may be missing here uh, i don't think we're missing anything i think it's actually it is multi-pronged in terms of kind of what you're looking for in your life but it's very simple in that it comes down to what do you want and um you know anybody can make anything work i mean as we've learned through all the emotional intelligence training everything not everything but 99.9 percent of life is a circumstance that you either created subconsciously or that you have have every ability to handle and and change to suit your liking number one i feel like you're talking to me directly aj <laughs> it's really like some of the things you mentioned i was like oh yeah i was thinking about that and oh that that's me and so i think that's it's what, what you're speaking into is is pretty um universal uh, and number two, you know, like I, I think about what it's like to work on a film set. And you know, when you're on a film set, maybe what, like, let's say you're on a film set for 12 hours, you might actively be rolling, you know, in your role, in character, in costume, on your mark, lights, you know, camera going for maybe an hour or two of those 12 hours, <laughs> maybe, right? And then the rest yeah. of the time, the rest of the time, it's all about what's your relationship with the crew? What's your relationship with the director? You know, are you, what's your relationship with the, with the work, with the words on the page? How are you as a person? Are you happy as a person? You know, what, what kind of food are you eating? Are you in shape? Like, do, are you taking care of yourself? Like, what's your mental state? Like, it's such a small part of our actual lives. And we, I feel like we're conditioned as actors to think that we have to just sacrifice everything for this one moment of glory. And, you know, there's there's merit in that. I mean, there's there's a, something to that. But I don't think it's worth um, sacrificing any degree of happiness, which is largely self-generated. Yes. But also you can place yourself in circumstances that are conducive to your happiness. So, you know, um, Casey said, you know, New York City's where I'd like to live. That sentence right there. I keep staring at it on the computer screen. <laughs> that's that's the end of the uh, discussion for me. It's like, if that's it, it's not like you're not living in a very active hotspot capital of the entertainment world's place, you know, in New York City. I mean, New York and L.A. are are pretty comparable right now. And if you like New York better then shit, dude, waste not another moment uh, living in a city that you don't want to live in. Like, we're Americans. We can we can fix that pretty easily. Amen. And I just want to throw out there, because, Trev, I think that you meant this implicitly, and I just want to say it explicitly, because it's such a beautiful analogy. That one-twelfth you're talking about, where, like, you know, where the camera's actually rolling and, and, and you know, 
you're actually working that 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 one hour out of the 12 hour day that's such a beautiful microcosmic analogy for our lives in general right like if you looked at like the 12 months of the year the time that you're actually acting might probably won't but might add up to a month maybe that'd be a great year (laughs) And that would be, yeah, seriously, wouldn't that be a mo- that'd be the most amazing? I mean, you'd probably be in a play, maybe on a couple of sets, and maybe doing voiceover commercial or something like that. Maybe, maybe. Mm-hmm. But, but working for like a month as an actor, I mean, I was so blessed to be in a musical. I worked for, what, seven and a half months of one year, right? Which was awesome. But, I, you know, once rehearsals were over, I was also there a very short, just for a couple hours a day. So my point is, like, that was such an awesome microcosmic analogy for, like, our lives in general. And then you were saying, what you know, what's your diet? What's your relationship? Are you happy? This and that. That's kind of, you know, when we're actually working, it's such a small amount of time, such a tiny, tiny, tiny amount of time that what we really get to focus on is making a life for ourselves yeah. within yeah. which we act and that goes yeah. at that's at every level. That's like A-list celebrities who work all the time. They're not on set 24/7 365. They have lives and they happen to work a lot. Yeah. No coincidence? It's... Hmm. Yeah. I think yeah. anyway. Uh I just wanted to kind of, that was like that kind of baked my noodle a bit, Trev. So I wanted to make sure I I pointed that out sweet <laughs> sweet well casey all thanks to you man for bringing up a great question and thank you for kind of you know i, I always love these questions because people get pretty vulnerable a lot of times with the questions and they come up you know they come out with things that that might in some other social contexts be perceived by some wacko as like you know i don't know not tasteful somehow so casey thank you for divulging um your situation to us in such sort of candid such candid way it's it's um we're all the better for it so thank you for the question all right so guys get out your notepads uh or just listen attentively preferably both because this stuff with with emily is great and i found it so valuable to hear about her particular approach to auditions like i said in the like like we said in the the copy at the beginning of the episode right down to you know what she does when she gets the script like the moment she gets the notification that she has an audition all the way up to what she plans for after the audition like that whole process for me was such gold and i know uh, it will be for you too so uh listen closely enjoy and we'll catch you on the other side that it works great to have a manager and an agent because the agent has a lot more people and the manager is just focused on you and Mm -hmm. maybe 10 other people. They're really putting their eggs in a smaller amount of baskets. Mm -hmm. Um, So, you know, they're very personal. 
they know everything that's going on in your life for the most part. They are making calls to you. You're calling them. They're calling other people. They're thinking about your career in the long term. Mm-hmm. And uh, the agency is, you know, busy hustling a lot of people, but they have to, you know, answer to the manager. So for me, it's worked best to have both. But I haven't ever been in a situation where I've just had one. So, um, yeah, I don't know if that's helpful at all. But. No, definitely. And it's actually um, very similar to what happened to me in the last uh, couple of years where I was in a play. Manager saw me. She was interested, ended up signing with her. And then um, and then uh, eventually she got me seen by uh, these other agency, both commercial and, and mm-hmm. theatrical. So, mm-hmm. um that's a, it's one route. Yes. You know? um, I don't know if it's the uh, end all be all, but. Well, and it also, you know, <clears throat> depends on the manager. I'm very aware that there are two other managers that I think in hindsight, if I would have gone with, I don't know if it would have worked out as well. Mm-hmm. You know, it's really like, if you do think of yourself as a business, which you are, it's who do you want to be in business with? Who do you want your yeah. business partners to be? Who do you who do you trust? Like, who are you hiring? Like Connie's great. She used to, she went to school, she went to law school. So in terms of contracts and things like that, even though she's not the one negotiating the contract, she knows things from like a lawyer perspective. She's also done production. She's also, you know, I looked at her client list and she represents, um, I can't remember his name right now, but the other guy on two and a half men, um, she, you know, represents a lot of, uh, she represents John Hamm for Mad Men. She represents a lot of really great heavy hitters that are Mm -hmm. doing well, that are versatile. They're doing a lot of stuff. So that's like, oh, I would be dumb not to sign with you. You know, um, I don't think anybody should just rush out and get any manager because I had some cocky meetings of people that were just like, yeah. you need to read this. You need to read this. You're lucky you're even sitting in my office. And I'm just like, I don't want to deal with that. I don't want that to be in my life. I don't want to have to feel like I have to prove myself to you all the time. That's just not a good yeah. thing. So I'd encourage people if they come out, if they find somebody they really click with and they feel like this person's passionate about them. I also had two young guys that were like, we're going to start a management company. We've been working at an agency. And I went to their like little guest house and looked at their office and saw the people they had. And I, I could have been risky with them, but I was like, I think I need to go somebody that's safer, you know? Yeah. So you got to really be making those decisions wisely and not impulsively and ask the people around you. Cause this, these, these decisions do affect future ones. Yeah. Um, because you are, I think, I mean, I've seen you work with, when we went up to um, Davis with the ensemble once, uh, I got a chance to watch you work with um, kids, and, and I I believe that you have a, a gift for teaching, if not just them, but just in, in general. So I really, um, I really think that, you know, at some point you may even, you know, be doing that um, mm-hmm. as well as working um, consistently. Um because of that, I, I did want to take the opportunity to kind of tap into that and maybe talk a little bit about you in the room and mm. maybe just like get a little bit of sort of um, more pragmatic advice yeah. for um, our listeners in terms of like how you, um, once you get the opportunity to, to go out on, a, on an audition, um, you know, what kind of things that you, you do to prepare um, and w- how you feel, what what it is that you bring into the room. Mm-hmm. And, you know, um, one of the sayings that we have on the podcast is book the office, not the role. Totally. And I feel like you... Well, book the role if you can. But <laughs> book yeah. the role if you can. 
Yeah, not not book not book the office in spite of the role. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's not the saying. That's not the saying. That's not. Listen, the saying. I don't want this part. Uh, I here, just want the office. Okay, that's, right. that's all some, I'm asking Here's for. some cookies. I'm not going to be reading today. <laughs> <laughs> but it was nice meeting you all. I'll see you later. Um, no, but it's totally true, and I think that you you know uh, you are. A, a great example of that because I mean how many times have you been called in by and booked with like John Levy's mm-hmm. office I mean mm-hmm. yeah your 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 stint on uh, ER notwithstanding like you've gone in for guest star yeah. and, and recurring on multiple shows that that office right um, casts right so in a sense like you've booked one of the biggest offices in town you know uh, yeah. before you know you're thanks you're... for that reminder I should uh, cash in on that <laughs> <laughs> while I'm sitting here at home right now hmm. are you serious John. give me a break give me a break um, you know so this is even before you, um, you your, your series lead role on Haven so mm-hmm. what I mean I'm not sitting here going like what is the secret because I know that you are a seriously hard worker right so um talk a little bit about your audition technique like what do you what do you do to prepare what do you bring into the room with you like Mm -hmm. um do you feel like there are certain things that you do every time that you get an audition the first thing i do immediately is i begin to panic i begin to freak out (laughs) okay Uh, panic check i get excited that i i get excited that the audition is in my mailbox and then i begin the procrastination process uh i like i like to believe that that's like a like a creativity crockpot where it's just simmering there. I'm just sitting there putting it off. <laughs> creativity <laughs> crockpot. I love it. That's we're, brilliant. Um, we're totally stealing that. <laughs> I just you know I've I used to get mad at myself. I have a saying on my bedroom wall that said like I've always wanted to pro- be a procrastinator. I've just never gotten around to it. Um, I've always used to beat myself up about that, but then I just started realizing it's part of my process and it has to be okay that I'm just sort of afraid of the material for a little bit. That's okay. I either need to get over it later, but for now it works for me. So initially I'm a little scared of it. Uh, Then I start to read it and I read the actual uh, sides. Then I read the script um, as much as I can, not all of it. Depending on the audition, if it's one that I think like, that I can pretty much get a get a good grip on, then I won't necessarily schedule to work with somebody on it or to coach me on it. But initially, when I first started out, when my auditions were like 7, 10, 20 pages or whatever, I would call Gordon up immediately. And I'd say, Gordon, hey, you know, do you have any time that I could coach with you? Um, can I meet with you? And we used to just exchange. I would work on his website for his acting class, and he would help me with auditions. Um and it was a great relationship. Plus, I got to see him regularly, and he's a dear friend of mine. So it worked out great. Um, and I learned a lot from working with Gordon. I learned a lot getting that one-on-one coaching time. Um, but my process now, it used to be like, and I do like a half-hour warm-up before my audition. And now that's not so much. Like, I'm warming up in different ways. I try to make sure that I'm not nasal up in my nose. I try to make sure I'm a little bit more resonant. Um, <laughs> but I'm still myself. Um What I do is I read the script and then I start to really kind of go over the script. And I've been taking some classes now at Margie Haber Studios, which has been really helpful too as sort of like a brush up. I look for things like environment right off the bat. What's the environment that I'm in? It's such an easy one, but I think we forget it and we think the audition begins and we just say our first line. And I think we need to create that moment before we even speak. Um, Not taking like a ton of time. But really, get, that's, a, that's the line before the line. That's the moment 
the the breath of life. You are this person living this life is what Margie says. So what is that moment? Even in the audition room prior, like if I'm beginning to feel really, really nervous, I automatically look in the script and see how my character's nervous. And I'm like, okay, if I'm feeling this way, maybe my character is really nervous to talk to somebody. Like I'm coaching somebody this afternoon after the interview, my really good friend, she's coming in and her audition is this nervous mom that wants to give up her daughter for adoption and she's really excited and she's meeting this parent that she really wants. The way her nervousness about this audition can feed into it is allowing herself to be that nervous in the room because that's how that character is feeling. Like inevitably, if I'm feeling it, the character is feeling it in some way, shape or form. I guarantee it. It's not necessarily that they're nervous, but maybe it's that they're hurried to get out the door. Maybe it's that they're just really, you know, frustrated. Or maybe it's that I'm feeling this way, but I really need to calm myself down before I talk to you. You know, it's, I can use that nervousness. I don't need to fight it and say, go away. I say, okay, fine, you're a gift. I'm going to use you. If you're going to be here, I'm going to use you. So I start looking at the script and I, you know, initially would try to start memorizing it a lot of people go back and forth do you memorize the sides do you not I think whichever way allows you to be the most present if memorizing the lines is going to psych you out because if you drop it you're screwed then do not memorize the lines it's okay you have the script in your hand just use that moment as you're reading it off the page and as Margie says like who I'm training with now she would say you know use that moment and then just send it back to the other person as you pick up the line and deliver it to the next person you know um don't don't be so tied into it but if but if you're a good memorizer and you're fine and you're off book just have that page in your hand and use it as you can but go for it you know so I'm getting off track of what I do, but in, in, initially I end up either recording the lines on my phone or on my computer and either with someone reading across from me, I usually tape myself, which is kind of weird. A lot of people might all like to put them themselves on tape, but I read across from somebody and I tape the audition and I look at it afterwards because I'm a very visual person and I'm like, oh my gosh, I do look like I have no energy today. What is the deal? And then I know that information before I go in the room. Uh, I go, oh, okay, it's easier, it's better to play on this side than play on this side. Or, oh, I can put that person here. I can put that other person that I'm talking with here. Or if I'm in a courtroom, I can put the jury to my left and to my right. And then the one jury who I'm reading across from, I'm going to narrow in on her. You know, I just begin to spatially create my environment. And I started when I began thinking, you know what? This isn't like a, an opportunity. I have a, I have a show that I've sold tickets to. They've been for free. At 2 o'clock, my audition at the Warner Brothers lot in John Levy's office. My show starts at 2. Uh, it's about five minutes long. And I have a small black box, not really, you know, office theater. And uh, they're going to be seeing what I'm going to do today. And I'm going to go in there like I do before I go up on stage. And this is what I'm doing. And if they want to interact with me and change some things up, that's awesome. But I'm not going to get bent out of shape like, they owe me anything or they should hear me or this was wrong this is what I've prepared this is my scene that I have prepared to do and I'm going to go in and do it 
um, it's my little show time. And at the end of the day, I'm, you know, Gordon always says plan something really fun afterwards. So you're more excited about going to that thing than you are about your audition. <laughs> I love that. And that <clears throat> has oh, been man. like when big auditions, I always do that. I always plan to either go to Disneyland with my husband or I go and plan a movie that I have never seen or I plan to just go shopping afterwards for a little bit or go see a friend I haven't seen in a long time because I don't want that audition to be the deal breaker for my day. It's like that is that's just part of my job. Auditioning is part of my job. I've just gone and done my job and it's not about if I get it or if I don't get it. Yes, I need to, you know, have the office be a fan. Like I consider that audition a success if I feel like that office has become a fan of my work, regardless of if I get a hired or not. You know, I usually end up calling my managers afterwards and I'm like, I think I made a fan. I think they like me. Not exactly sure if I'm going to get it, but I think I made a fan. I do get really bummed out if I feel like they didn't really get to know me and I didn't make a fan. <laughs> that does bum me out. But um, so I think other practical tips for the audition day, which I've learned a lot um, recently and also from watching auditions it was eye opening to me when I saw this. I really take ownership of the room. I'm not going to like go sit in their desk or anything, but if there's a chair provided, I move that chair where I want it to be. I take ownership of the space. Confidence and coming into that room, just confident is so attractive to them. You know, not too cocky, but coming in and being, hey, how are you guys doing? You've seen a lot of people today. That's very great. Yeah. You know, oh, my gosh. I just, you know, making that casual conversation. If they don't seem like they want to make that conversation, it's just, you know, I usually am down on my script and I'm like, okay, cool. Whenever I'm ready, you know, whenever you're ready, just let me know. And I usually always say before my audition, um, they usually say, do you have any questions about the material? And I say, nope, I don't really. If, if I do have questions, I ask it. But I say, okay, I just would ask that if I'm on a, uh, the wrong track in an area or if you think that you want to see a little bit more out of a certain beat or anything like that, just let me know afterwards because I love to play and I love to switch things up. Mm -hmm. That conveys to them that I am not cocky or locked into my performance, that I'm directable, that I want to be directed. And it also gives me a second chance to do that in the room. It's not asking for one even though I have done that before, but it's not asking for one. It's, it's just creating that space for you to get a second chance at it. Yeah. And so I'll usually do one and I'll be, after I'm done, you know, I'll put the, I'll have my beginning moment and I'll go through the scene and be really listening and looking at the person and doing the scene. And then at the end, always putting a finishing moment on it, not ending when they just end it, you know, putting your end on it so that you feel like you've really closed up the scene. And then you go, cool, that was fun. Is there anything you want to change? Was there anything that, you know, no, great. Okay, cool. Let's go to the next one. All right. So I saw this as kind of like this way. So I'm just going to move this here. Is that okay? Okay, cool. And even like Brisha, who I'm um, interviewing or not interviewing, um, working with this afternoon, she's like, I tried to do that chair trick where I used the chair <laughs> in the room and they told me they just thought that it drained my energy or it drained, it would drain my energy. And I said, I have some people tell me that, but I, in that situation, if that's what you've worked on and you're convinced that that's going to be a great scene because you can use the chair and use your space and create that more, just be like, Oh, okay. Well, is it okay if I just try? I'm just going to go ahead and try it with the chair anyway. And then if you think that I need to pick up my energy, we'll just do that afterwards. Do do what you've planned. Be confident <clears throat> about your work. I think if you're like, oh, uh, then they pick up on that. Mm -hmm. You know, I'm so glad that you just said that because 
little little secret between us and the internet right now. Um, <laughs> the biggest, the, the thing that terrifies me the most and that I hate the most about auditioning is not knowing whether I'm going to be expected to sit or stand. Oh. It messes me up so much. Yeah. And so, I, and I never, I've never known how to conquer it. And it's something so simple that you just yeah. said, just go in and own the space. And if you want to stand, then stand. Totally. I and love that. I use that. I, love I that. use that chair for <laughs> everything. Everything, because it's one of the only things I have. That in the paper, and sometimes a pen. Mm-hmm. These are the things, the gifts that we have in a scene. We have the script, but I use it for you know office papers if I'm doing an office audition. I use it if I'm in court or whatever. If I'm a cop and I've come into the room and I need to refer to a file, I use that paper. Go back to it. I take my you know pencil. Maybe I put it in my hair behind my ear, and I'm just you know if I'm talking to somebody and I'm totally using it for the scene. Um, I lean on the back of the chair if I'm talking to a kid or whatever lean over the back of the chair I straddle the chair I pull the chair if I'm trying to change spaces it is my space it's my stage it's all I have Mm -hmm. and the confidence and the groundedness that comes from that versus just standing on a mark where you don't have your environment around you is just robbing you because you don't feel like you're really in the scene because you're not so create that scene around you and that to me has been the best sort of thing and if if they're like you know what we really just need you to stand up for it then inevitably i'll pull it to the side and lean against it or do something but mm-hmm. it's all about you feeling comfortable because the more comfortable you feel the better you're gonna do and even if you don't get that part and they see gosh no that, that he was a strong actor he really like knew what he was doing he made some bold choices and i could see him in dot 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 you know then then it's a success mm-hmm. so um I usually run the audition with somebody here at home and I run it if it's one that I really I run it as much as I can. And inevitably if I don't get a chance to run it, I, it's not going to be a good thing. <laughs> mm-hmm. So, that's And part you, and of you my tape process. it and you watch yourself. Yeah. And I have been cautioned against that by several <laughs> professors and things like yeah. that, but I think that sounds really useful for you to I mean, because when you said, "Now I have that information." Totally. Now I know that I looked this way, right? Or that your shirt didn't work, or that it cut you off at the neck, or that you're feel like it's not like looking like you think it'll look. You know, it's it's you're in a television and film medium. Why wouldn't you see how you look on camera? I just don't understand that. That's great. It takes a lot of courage and balls, I think, to be able to confront. Oh my God, this is what I look like when I'm acting on camera in an audition room. You know, that's not easy for a lot of people. Yeah, but but if you get that part, it's going to be on for millions and millions of people. And if you don't know what you look like or what, because there are so many times I can tell you that I've literally thought, and that's why people argue in acting class. Well, I thought I was doing this. No, I was doing that. I was. Well, I'm. It wasn't coming off like that. You weren't communicating that. So you need to figure out another way to get into that place. And if the road you're taking isn't working, then and take another one you which should. is also a, an argument for the the coaching that you got you mm-hmm. know having somebody having a, a, a another set of eyes totally. and ears and and somebody with a um who you think has a little bit more experience or a totally. lot more experience than you do who's there to kind of uh you know say like you know i get what you're trying to do it's not coming across right in, in this moment or this beat or whatever right that's mm-hmm. great that's right. really great. And granted, I don't want to tell everybody to put themselves on camera because maybe some people will just like make it too big or mug too big or whatever. Right. But I think you just have to have a really discerning eye. Would I, when I watch this performance, am I drawn into the performance? You mm-hmm. know, 
Um, and don't get locked into anything because they might change it up or you might have a reader that's reading it completely opposite from how you read. That's why listening to how they're doing or if they're reading it totally monotone the whole time and that is making you laugh and driving you nuts at the same time, <laughs> that in your audition, you don't just act like that's not happening. You kind of take that person in and kind of laugh about it and keep going. So that's an endearing quality <laughs> right. about them. And Oh, that kind of spices the scene up a little bit. Okay, you're monotone, man. That's interesting. You know, <laughs> take it in, and that yeah. becomes new information that makes it monotone. fresh and exciting. That's, That's awesome. great. I love what you said about the moment before, and I don't mean, I love what you said about taking the breath and all that stuff as well. That was really great. But also what you said about what you say to the auditors, like mm. uh, because one of the th- I don't know I don't know if I got this from one of our guests, Trev, or what, but one of the things that I've been doing in auditions recently is saying, um, you know, do you have any questions? And I go, uh, n- not at the moment. I'm just gonna, um, you know, sort of show you what I've prepared, and then we can kind of go from there. Mm-hmm. And uh, I love what the sort of things that you added about, like if you want to play or whatever, because how you said it does show that you're directable. Because the reactions that I've gotten in saying that have been so great. Like you look, like the auditors will look at me like, oh my goodness, here's like an actor who knows what he's doing. Yeah. Like they'll kind of take you and like, okay. All yeah. right, yeah, let's see what you prepared. That that's great. You know, it saves them time, it's quick, you know, you do the thing and then they know that they that that you're willing to sort of take um whatever notes they have afterwards. You know? I also think that when you're auditioning, you also need to be aware that a large part of your audition is whether or not these people would feel comfortable with you being on set for long periods of time mm. with them. Right. Yeah. And so to me, talking before your audition gives them a peek at your personality and like you know i wouldn't suggest you do this albert because they might think that you're weird but when i'm like i just like to tweak stuff i just like to be a little tweaker you know or whatever and they <laughs> laugh at that and i'm doing a fun a serious scene and then i drop into this serious place yeah they're aware that that's not i'm not sucked into this methody serious place that when i'm on set i'm going to just be this heavy un, you know person that they can't deal with mm-hmm. that i'm somebody they're like This person's fun. I like to hang out with her, you know, especially when you're auditioned for a series situation, because it can come down to who they just want to spend more time with. Because when you are on a small location all the way across the other side of the continent, it's important that they feel like they could get along with you for seasons and seasons at a time. Not just about your work, but if you're enjoyable, if they could go to dinners with you, if they could have business meetings with you, if they could be on the phone with you, all these things, you know, they're auditioning when you audition for that caliber of a role. Mm. Yeah, we had a guest on the podcast a while ago, James Leo Ryan, who mm. who um, used to get p- picked up for a lot of co-stars as like the, uh, the drug dealer or the abusive boyfriend. He right. just kind of has this mean look, but he's the nicest guy you could ever meet. And he said that he found it was really effective if he would walk in in character mm. and then do the read and just, like, kill it. Mm-hmm. And then as soon as it was over, cool, well, thanks so much, guys. This was really fun. Uh, anything totally. else you want to see and be totally friendly? Because then they were like, oh, my oh my God. Like, I thought right. you were that I thought you were that dude. Totally. And now you're, like, this great guy. And that, totally. it almost kind of, like, it kind of punches home that, totally. that you're an actor and that you are. Yes. Yeah. I think, I think that's, that's probably just as important as the actual work that you do. Oh. Are you pleasant to work with yes completely because that's it's part of booking the office you know if they're like oh my gosh we want to see that person in again for this or even if you're friendly to the to the office staff or hey it's so good to be back again i always say that gosh it's so good to see you thank you so much for bringing me back in this is great Mm -hmm. you know how have you been since the last time i saw you oh that's great that worked out you know 
I'd just been going on these big feature film auditions, which talk about scary, because these are like, you know, heavy hitters. And I just feel like I'm a, like, you know, it's funny how at every level, it's like, first you like, want to get in the industry to where you're actually working and you're getting a co-star and then you want to get a guest star and then if you you know get a series lead on a pilot then you just pray the pilot gets picked up and then if the pilot gets picked up you pray that your show will stay on the air and then from there it's always like well can I do film and so it's like at every stage there's always something that you know it's so important to be thankful for where you are that you're even starting like, oh, I'm thankful I live in L.A. and that I have great friends that understand theater and I can talk about this stuff with where I'm at, you know. But I was going in on these film auditions and it's like these big heavy level films and this office brought me in and at the film level, TV moves really fast. They're going to cast that week. You're going to hear something really soon. They are going to – you've got your audition, you hear back and you're probably going to work soon because it's just going, going, going film is a much longer process and um you know I've had self-tape auditions where I self-taped and they bring me in for another role and then they decide they like me a lot so they bring me back in for the role that I self-taped and then they decide they want to call back for that role and you know I've found that really great casting offices really work with you like they want they uh, like I've had a couple auditions where I've gone down in Santa Monica in this particular casting office they've done the scene with me each three or four times and that's such a gift, you know, mm. it's such a gift to be able to do it again. And uh, but it's about that, you know, them liking you. They wouldn't bring you back if they didn't enjoy you being in the office, you know, hopefully. Maybe they would because they are doing a favor. But let's not go there. They right, would bring right. you back <laughs> because they enjoy you being there. Hey everyone, welcome back. Trev and I are obviously really excited to bring you a uh, pre-100th episode interview. There are a lot of you out there who are just, you know, joint, quote-unquote joining us post-100 and, um, you know, any any interview that we can sort of reintroduce to our listenership is a, is a delight and as we've said multiple times, this is not only one of our favorites, but it's also been one of the most popular like ever over time uh people still talk about it on social media uh, people still reach out to emily and and say that they heard her on and um you know she's very responsive so if you want to do that too if it's your first time hearing it uh reach out on the twitters and uh she will likely respond yeah she's emily rose la i think right on twitter i think so yeah, yeah i believe yeah. that's it <clears throat> yeah what's your pick of the week my friend so I love this because I was saying to you before we started recording that it's so interesting how our, our picks of the week seem to thematically align more and more as we continue with this podcast. Uh, so my pick of the week is... It's almost like we're friends. Yeah, right. Like we talk every week or something. I think, I think uh, we've got people pretty fooled at this point. Yeah, Better not right. let them know the truth. Know, that we're mortal enemies. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so mine's pretty outdoorsy. It's this thing called the National Bike Challenge. It's online at the national at nationalbikechallenge.com and it's essentially this national challenge to ride your bike more. It happens every year between May and September, although you can use the website to, to log your miles year round. And it's pretty cool because the website syncs with different apps. So I downloaded an app for my phone called Strava, which is like a bicycling and running app and I just 
basically turn it on and have it track my ride through GPS, but it also tracks things like elevation and speed and splits for different, you know, how fast I'm going per mile. Um, and then you can buy a pro version, of course, for like five or six bucks a month, and it'll give you even more functionality. But I just use it to log my, my bicycle rides. And it, it syncs it with the, with the website, and the website uh, tracks things like how many calories you've burned, how many miles you've done overall, uh, commuter miles versus recreational miles. But here's the really cool part. How, many, how much money you've saved based on the AAA vehicular operating cost, I think of like 53 cents a gallon or something like that, or 53 cents a mile or 0.5, whatever that number is, it, mm-hmm. it tallies that for you. And then it also tallies how many pounds of carbon you've successfully prevented from entering the atmosphere by biking instead of driving. And as you guys know, I'm, I'm big on the climate thing. In fact, next week I want to talk some more about something that sort of came up for me uh, recently. So it's a really cool thing. And of course, there's a point system and you can unlock badges and you can compete with people that are also doing the challenge. And it's just been a really enjoyable thing for me. And more importantly than anything, it's gotten me on my bicycle like every single day. And I've currently logged like 120 miles or something since I started this just like two or three weeks ago. So it's been it's been great for me. Uh, Anybody can take part. It's totally free. Nationalbikechallenge.com. Um, please check it out if you are at all inclined to ride your bike, because it's great. This picks for you, Mark Vashro. <laughs> I was just thinking. I was just thinking that I was like, because Mark and I have been on rides before. He's he's biked here from Pasadena. He's biked all the way to Culver City, and we've we've gone on buddy rides. We've we've ridden down the beach path all the way down to Manhattan Beach and gotten you know omelets and shit. And it's cool, man. It's, it's didn't he didn't he bike to my digital actor workshop? Well, he bikes everywhere. He doesn't have a car. He bikes everywhere. So incredible. Yeah, I I follow him on Strava because there's like a social aspect to the app and you can see other people. You know, if you're buddies with people, you can see their activity. He bikes like 16 miles on the regular, like one direction from from his house. Like it's just that's how he gets around. He bikes everywhere. That's amazing. I, I think it's I'm really inspired by it. I have a. I just I'm increasingly starstruck by people who are activists and living alternative lifestyles and living according to their values and things. I'm always just like I want to be around those people more. <laughs> so yeah, Mark's a rock star, and uh, I want to. Actually, I'm glad you mentioned him. I just want to give him a quick shout out because he's the one who really kicked this off for me. I was scared to get back on the bicycle, and and uh, indirectly or otherwise, he made it easier for me. Anyway, um, so, uh, so I've yeah, talked, I've talked quite enough about camping. At this point, uh, but that's my pick of the week because that's what I did, and I loved it, and it was amazing. So I was trying to think of like how I could sort of support people in making it happen. So did a quick Google search for uh, camping locations and camping gear, and came up with a few helpful links. But uh, obviously, Google is probably going to be you know just as helpful as these links. But there's um, if you go to uh, gocampingamerica.com or freecampsites.net. Those two websites will actually allow you to search based on a, a radius around a zip code or a city for, you know, actual camping sites. Go Camping America is just all camping sites, and I think free campsites is free campsites. And then for gear, um, I found a, a place that has pretty affordable stuff called SierraTradingPost.com. I don't know. REI is really expensive, but I did talk about their – what's the word I'm looking for? The recycling program. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. They're they're um, 
Textile. What's the textile? Yeah. What tactile? What the hell? Textile recycling program. So if you turn in a bunch of clothes, they'll give you um, discount on their on their gear. It's not a huge discount, but hey, at least you're you know recycling as well. Right. Um, and Trevor is like adding. I'm watching him type in additional links. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, back, uh, backcountry.com is a good site as well. I, I find that they have a really good selection, really great customer service, great prices. I think they're they're tax-free and usually do free shipping. And I've always been there for, like, I've gone there for fleece jackets and stuff, but I'm pretty sure they have camping gear too. Yeah, well, I'm sure if you have, like, Amazon Prime or, I don't, I mean, there's probably a million places to get this stuff. I won't mention the uh, the evil W word, but I'm sure plenty <laughs> of people are going to end up there. Yeah. Hey, so how about in lieu of a listener pick of the week, uh, we plug episode 200 again. Do it to it. Oh, 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 it's oh, it's my responsibility? Okay, fine. June 29th, we're having a party. So the link is up. You can RSVP. Uh, we're posting it all over social media. We're posting it on our website. RSVP. People were a little confused. Nothing to be confused about. It is a Q&A with Defiance, the top brass of Defiance. You are in the right place if you see a Defiance poster uh, and you're on the SAG Foundation website. We are doing a live stream, live recording of episode 200 with the top brass of the sci-fi show Defiance, the number one show on sci-fi, BTW. Um, You can RSVP at the link on our website. And if you can't make it, there will be a live stream, and we will be posting that link all over the place leading up to and on the day of. And then afterwards, we're going to have a big blowout party. Everyone's invited, whether or not you can make the live stream before, if it's sold out by the time that you get to the link, whatever it is, come on out to the parlor in Hollywood. We're going to be having our after party there. Uh, the headshot truck is going to be there taking some pictures. Um, we have uh, a place called Sugar Swag making uh, branded cookies. Branded cookies. I'm not kidding. I'm so excited about the cookies uh, for it. And uh, we've got Alliance Partners, Ms. and the Biz, going to be uh, uh, helping us out. Anyway, it's going to be a massive throwdown, and you're all invited. Come one, come all. Did Absolutely. I miss anything? The only thing I would mention is that Dennis was pretty adamant that uh, we don't that if you're if you're at all late to the actual panel um, with the top brass of defiance, you will not be allowed in. He was pretty oh, adamant. Right. Make sure like there's no late seating, no late admittance whatsoever. So if you're gonna if you're gonna come, get there early. Do whatever it takes to get there early. Yeah, and and that and that makes sense too because if you think about it, if they're live streaming it and they've got a camera pointing at the stage. And then someone just kind of moseys on in to do, 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 do. They're going to be <laughs> yeah. essentially interrupting the live stream. So that's why they don't do the late seating. It's, it's, like, a, it's like a late seating policy at a theater, except uh, really, really strict. <laughs> <laughs> right. Except there is no late seating. Uh, cool, man. Anyway, so, so that's yeah. the National Bike Challenge. Trevor's pick. Camping! Triple exclamation point. My pick, and of course, episode 200, a little plug there for that. Let us know if you have questions. Uh, email us, call us, tweet at us, Facebook yeah. us. And I'll, 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 I'll make sure that the RSVP link is in the show notes for this episode. So it's either in the actual MP3 file you're listening to right now, 
uh, either. It actually is in there and it's on our website. So there's easy access for you. So Michael Polly has been uh, kind of crushing some things, yeah? Yeah, he doesn't know I'm doing this. This is a uh, this is a surprise member win of the week because uh, I've been spending time with uh, Michael, as I mentioned last episode, and also, you know, the uh, the Michael I was referring to earlier that we were camping with was Michael Polly, and um, he has been crushing the audiobook world so hard that he's making it his thrival job right now. And I just, I love so much about what he's up to because not only does it, and this is, you know, his own sort of admission, it's giving him a chance to act as his thrival job. And it's all about relationships. And he really is, he really is doing it. He really is going about it in that way. And it's just, it just goes to show that, you know, how we do one thing is how we do everything. He's applying all of the stuff that he knows from being an actor to this and it's, and it's paying back uh, major dividends. So he's, you know, reaching out to authors. He's friending them on Facebook. He's telling them like, oh, so excited about your new book, blah, blah, blah. Even if they don't necessarily hire him, he's building this network um, and building these relationships. And it is, it's, it's, it's really admirable, and I am I'm proud of him as a as a friend, as a member, um, and as an actor. Really, it's really it's been inspiring, and so uh, I've told him that in person, but now I am declaring it publicly on the podcast. Awesome. There you have it. So our member win of the week. Congrats, Michael! Uh, really stoked, man. The, the audiobook world is like. It's blowing up right now. If you're an actor and you're not uh, looking into that, maybe there's an opportunity for you there. Woohoo! Today's episode of Inside Acting was produced and co-hosted by yours truly, Ahe Meyer, and of course, <laughs> Trevor Alka. Uh, okay. I'm going to start and finish this one just with terrible accents. All Jen right. Levin is our production coordinator. Godali Gubrick is our marketing and web director. Jasmine Bristow is our director of public relations. And Deborah Smith is our community manager. Trevor Algett composed our theme music. You can sign up for our weekly email dispatch and listen to all of our recent episodes over at our website, InsideActing.net. You can also find us on iTunes, where you can, if you feel so called, leave us a five-star review as well. We will come to your house We'll find you. And hug you. And give you a big hug. And ask you why. Why did you give us a three, four star review? Why? Please tell us. We will make better. Thank you. It's another bad accent for you. A huge thanks to our sponsors, Rehearsal 2 and VO2GoGo.com. And thanks to you, our listenership. If you love inside acting and you want to maximize its value in your life and career... Might we suggest signing up as a monthly member to get cool perks like access to our membership message board, cool freebies, invites to exclusive member meetups like the ABC over there in L.A. <laughs> Lots of acronyms. <laughs> and discounts. You were, you were so what? pleased with yourself. You were like <laughs> ABC in L.A. <laughs> <laughs> and moving on. Discounts on merchandise like IAP t-shirts. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I'm slapping my knee, Trev. I'm slapping my knee. Oh, and good. other upcoming podcast offerings. Just visit InsideActing.net. Click on the membership tab. Oh, boy. And that's it. <laughs> that's it 
for episode <coughs> God, 197 of Inside Acting. Thank you for listening. We'll see you next week. And in the meantime, get outside. you were going to be like and in the meantime see you <laughs> i should have done that man <laughs> if i was wittier i would have done that